0: Thank you. Thank you. It is time. Yes. Um, Good morning, everybody. And just like Pastor Matt said, my name is Nathan Ream. This is my family here. Uh, My wife, Gina, and I have been married for 7,862 days, (laughs) which is a little over 21 years. We'll celebrate our 22nd anniversary November 3rd. And uh, that's the twins, Shane and James. They're going to be 17 in July. Justin, he just turned 11, and Taylor... She just turned eight in January, and uh, Taylor was been in the pool almost every night this week at the hotel, and and she has a fever this morning, so she's going to stay home this morning, but uh, I'm sure everybody else will get here to Yep, there's my wife in the back right there, and one of the twins. The other one looks just like him, (laughs) a little longer hair, and I am so grateful that Pastor Matt shared the pulpit with me this morning, and I get to talk with you guys, and I really want to talk about thankfulness and how it can change our lives, and uh, I want to share my testimony, and I've been giving little clips here and there, and I'm like, hold back, stop, wait, wait till Sunday, so you guys can get a better feel of, of myself and my wife and our family and all the things the Lord has taken us through. So as I was typing out my testimony a couple weeks ago, I was on page eight, and I was still in kindergarten, so I thought I would better do some, <laughs> some bullet points. And uh, so we're just going to go through these bullet points quickly for your sake and my sake and the kids in here, and uh, we're going to move quickly. So if you need any clarification on anything in the future, let me know. So, uh, here we go. I'm trying to time myself so we can get out of here and get some donuts. Early childhood, chapter one. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad, I was born in Southern California, and my mom and dad were bikers at the time, and that didn't last long. And then my mom married my stepdad, and uh, I got a couple awesome sisters out of that, Katie and Giovanna. And then around sixth grade, they divorced, and I moved a lot. See, look at that. I'm already on the third Third point right there. I moved a lot. I think I went to uh, four different schools in sixth grade. Just aunts and uncles and cousins, Cerritos, Lake Elsinore, Whittier, back here, back there. And then finally, my grandparents stepped in in seventh grade and took me in, my mom's parents. And I got to live at grandma grandpa's. It was like winning the lottery. In a refrigerator full of sodas and Dr. Peppers and Snapples. You guys remember Snapples. And I loved it, it was a great time. So seventh through ninth grade were pretty, pretty normal, just a kid riding his BMX bike all over Southern California, riding to the beach, and I must have put hundreds and hundreds of miles on my bike. And then 10th grade happened, and I got a truck. And I was one of three tenth graders that drove. And that 3.0 to 1.2, that's my GPA. <laughs> and so my grandparents told me, they said, hey, if you get a 3.0, we'll get you a truck. And so I got a 3.0 on the dot, and uh, I got me a truck, and and I started getting in trouble, and 11th grade, I got baptized into the LDS church. My grandparents saw my downward spiral, and they had the missionaries come over, because they were LDS at the time, and uh, parentheses right there, that didn't help. Um, LDS people are unregenerate, trying to act like regenerate people, and uh, they have a ton of issues, and then I got to meet a bunch of LDS kids that were just as bad as I was, so that didn't help. 12th grade came along, more bad stuff. I got super sick, I got bronchitis pneumonia my senior year, and I gave it to my grandfather, and then he passed away in the hospital about a week and a half later, and it devastated me. My grandpa was my hero, and uh, that was the the biggest wake-up call of my life, so I knew I was a bad person. If somebody would have street witnessed to me at the time and asked me, hey, would you consider yourself to be a good person, I would have said no, and uh, I knew I was bad. I knew my lifestyle was bad. It was, like I said, it was a huge, huge wake-up call. And so I jumped straight into the LDS church. I mean, I had a lot of sin to pay for. I wanted to be the best missionary that America has ever seen. So I was hanging out with the missionaries. I was planning on going on my mission. I was down at church all the time. I was helping out with youth. I was playing basketball on Monday nights and everything I could down at the LDS church. And uh, and I was planning on going on my mission, getting ready for that. And then I met Gina. And I tried to convert her. And uh, we were on a camping trip. And she had one of those little stickers on her car the have you guys seen those a little three-in-one father son holy spirit and lds church doesn't believe in the trinity like uh born-again christians do and we started debating all weekend and none of our friends liked the debate they didn't want anything to do with religion so we just kind of battled all weekend i didn't see her for a couple of months and then uh i saw her again and we picked up right where we left off and i walked her to her car and she invited me to her church and i said sure i'll go to your church if you go to my church and she never made it to the Mormon church. And I started going to her church, and I loved it. I loved it. I, it was a Calvary chapel. I'd never heard worship like that before. I never heard the Bible taught verse by verse before. And uh, uh, it was great. And everybody started hearing hey, there's a Mormon kid hanging out at church. And I was even sneaking into Biola, to, uh, um, auditing classes, just kind of sitting in the back to find out what you born againers believed. Because Mormons think that you guys have some of the truth, but not all of the truth, so you guys are pretty easy. You're almost there. You're almost there. You just need Joseph Smith and a whole bunch of weird stuff. And uh, and so I was hanging out at Biola, and I met a girl there at Biola. She found out that there was a Mormon kid sneaking around, and she sat me down at the lunch tables and she asked me a thousand questions about the Mormon Church. And I found out later she grew up in Utah. She was the only Christian in her area, and uh, I think her dad was a pastor. And so she knew everything about the Mormon church. And I was writing things down as fast as she was talking. I went and sat with my bishop, and he couldn't answer hardly any of the questions. In the Mormon church, everybody thinks somebody else has all the answers. And then when you go through everybody, nobody has answers of why they believe and why they do certain things. And then uh, one night, Gina showed me the Godmakers video. Anybody seen that? Godmakers, it's like the cheesiest animation ever. <laughs> and I'm watching this, and I'm getting angrier by the second. And I'm like, that's not true, that's not true. And this has been going on for months. And, and then finally she gives me this little track when I was leaving, I still have it. It's been in my toolbox for 27 years. I had to tape it back up because I kept it and uh, it's falling apart. But uh, I went home and I got as much stuff as I could get, all the anti-Mormon literature I get my hands on. I was never told, don't look at anti-Mormonism stuff. And now I know why they tell people don't look at anti-Mormonism stuff and I studied, and I studied, and I studied, and I studied, and I would hang out with the Mormons, and I would hear what they would have to say, and I'd hang out with the born-again Christians, and hear what they had to say, and they weren't lining up, and like I said, I studied, and studied, and so November 19th, I locked myself in my room, and studied, yes, November 19th, 1996, I invited some kids from the neighborhood, and Gina and some of her friends, and we took my grandma's Buick Regal down to uh, the Harvest Crusade, and I walked forward, I couldn't wait for the invitation, I was waiting okay good can I go now can I go now and I was like the first one down there and uh, got my little Bible and never looked back so um, I was always at church I was truly a new creation you could definitely see light to darkness (laughs) darkness to light and uh, it was a amazing transformation I was always at church doors were open I was down there we had three services Sunday morning we had a Sunday night service we had Wednesday night service Monday night was young adults We were traveling all around Southern California to hear different um, pastors because you hear them on the radio. I'm like, I wonder what Raul Reese looks like. I wonder what Chuck Smith looks like. And we'd go visit all these churches. And so we were always doing stuff. We had a great young adult group. And uh, um, Mexico, my first trip to Mexico, and that's one of the things that attracted me to you guys. Whoever put together that little blurb and, and put it online for the Mexico trip, I loved it. And I was like, yes, they go to Mexico. I love that. And so I went on my first Mexico trip, and it was a young adult trip, and Gina went, and a bunch of friends, and all that. And I had had a crush on Gina this whole time. Ever since the lake, when we first started battling, I loved her everything. (laughs) And uh, um, so the ladies, late Saturday night, they're downstairs. The men's bunks are upstairs, kind of like the guys up here. And the girls were downstairs writing out their list of everything they want in a husband. And I was like, yes, that's what young adult girls do, right? They sit around and make lists. And so I'm listening down there, and I kind of fall asleep. I'm the first one up in the morning. I go down there. I find Gina's list, and I start committing it to memory. <laughs> and there was all kinds of stuff on there. I must snowboard. I'm like, I'm going to get one of those when I get home. <laughs> Has the love the Lord? Check. Love kids? Check. Learn to play the guitar. I'm like, I can learn. And uh, a certain cologne was on there. I'm like, I'm going to stop by the Broadway on the way home and, and get that cologne. And then I got to number 10 on her list, and it was can't be a know-it-all, and I was like, wow, and Gina's nickname for me at the time was Mr. Know-it-all, <laughs> yes, so all I read was, can't be Nathan, and it devastated me, and I was like, oh man, because I know a lot of random facts, I guess, and I would share them constantly, and so it couldn't be a know-it-all, couldn't be Nathan Reem, so I was off, so I started dating a little bit, Gina started dating, and uh, um, I got a job at the church. Now that I didn't have to wait for the doors to be open, now I had keys, and uh, I could be down there all the time. I was the custodian and helped out with just different things with youth ministry and VBS and whatever else they needed, and more Mexico trips. And and then Gina got engaged to one of my friends. I was like, ah, it's over, right? And uh, she was was engaged doing that, all that. And then uh, our college pastor, Pastor Kerry, who was super influential in my life growing up. His door was always open. We could stop by there anytime. It was a great time. So he moved to Temecula. All this time is going on in Whittier. He moved to Temecula, and then I moved down there uh, shortly after. I went down for one work day on a weekend, and at the end of that work day, I had a I had a job at the church. I had a place to stay, and another job from uh, Dan Reed. He's sitting in the back back there, and uh, he got me a job at uh, Calvary Chapel Marietta as a yard aide. And so I had two jobs and a place to stay. So I moved to Temecula shortly after that. and uh, and then I find out that Gina breaks it off she's no longer engaged I guess she had a dream she was walking down the aisle and then when the groom turned around it was me so which I found out later (laughs) and uh, so she came down for a visit to to hang out with our pastor and just get some wisdom and all that and I was yes so I'm saying you saying I got a chance right and uh, so the Craggs, who I was staying with, he was an elder at the church. His kids were off at college, so they opened up their home to me. And his wife set me up on this new thing called email. And uh, I had Gina's email address, and I write her, I, I call it the email. Probably took me four or five hours to type this thing out, just rechecking it, all this kind of stuff, just pouring out my heart, telling her how much I like her, and how, much, how long I've liked her, all these things, just beautiful, beautiful email. <laughs> And then she replies back a couple, day, couple days later, and she's like, I'm super flattered. That's awesome. Um, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, all that. She's like, but I'm gonna go to the mission field. I think I'm gonna go to France. I shouldn't be in a relationship right now. And I'm like, okay, at least I said it. It's off my chest, it's out there. And uh, so that, a couple months go by, and one of our mutual friends is uh, at a Christmas party, and she comes back, and I'm like, hey, who was at the Christmas party up there in Whittier? And she's like, oh, Gina was there. and. Uh, Uh, Gina has a boyfriend. Ouch. (laughs) And so uh, I was pretty upset about that. And uh, she did try to go to the mission field. She tried, it just didn't work out. And it was a long distance and all that kind of stuff. So she's starting to date this other guy. And of course it didn't work out because it wasn't me. And uh, so uh, um, Gina has a new boyfriend. And then she comes down, her and her friend come down for another trip to Mexico. And we were doing maybe two, two or three trips to Mexico a year. She comes down, I'm kind of keeping my distance, I'm still a little mad, and uh, on that Sunday before we went home, we were on the basketball courts alone, and so I kind of let her have it, I'm like, I would never treat you like this, I'm the best, you know, all that kind of stuff, and uh, I guess it sunk in, because the next day, within 24 hours, she called me, and she said, yeah, you're right, so this this part of my, Gina comes to her senses, (laughs) Five years, five years I've been trying and leaving little notes on her car and doing all these different things. Maybe it was too much, but so five years. Finally, she says, yeah, you're right. You've been so kind and great and all these different things. And then uh, shortly after that, Gina moves to Temecula. I get her all moved in. Everything's settled. And then we're sitting up in my truck overlooking the Temecula Valley. And I ask Gina, what are your intentions with me? And are we just going to be boyfriend and girlfriend? You know, where's this going to go? And she's like, no, I want to marry you. Uh, yes. Yes, right? And then it started hitting me. I'm the a custodian maintenance. I work at a, a Christian school. I think all my money scraped together doesn't come up to $2,000. I need a little more money. And there was always something that was, I wanted to do. And that was I joined the Marine Corps in 2000 without telling Gina. So I wanted a VA loan. I wanted some school money and, you know, shoot some cool stuff. And I remember I went to my recruiter who was was a a girl. And and she said, hey, why do you want to join the Marine Corps? And I was totally kidding. And I said, I want to shoot people and not get in trouble. And she says, you've come to the right place. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. And this was a female recruiter. You know, I'm like, (laughs) I was totally kidding. But I ended up joining the Marine Corps, going through that. I told Gina, hey, guess what? Guess the good news. And then she got super upset. She's like, there's going to be a war. This is in 2000. I'm like, there's not going to be a war. We're going to be fine, and sure enough, you guys know the story. 2001, we got married and uh, had a great time, and then 2003, just like Gina said, I had to go to Iraq, and so I spent most of 2003 in Iraq. I was a recon scout with 4th LAR and uh, had some good times and good stories, spring break 2003, we call it, and uh, after that, we moved to North Carolina in 2004. We, we came out for a visit to North Carolina. We loved it, how green it was. You guys remember those, uh, those little racks outside the supermarket where you look at the real estate, and they're like thick, and they're little colored magazines. Now everything's, you know, apps and online. And I'm like, look, look, look at this. We can live on the lake for $88,000, and we're living in a $300,000 condo in Temecula. So we pray about it. We move to North Carolina. We try to get involved with our church out there in North Carolina, and they had just hired a new guy, and he didn't want any help. And so Gina put my resume out online in a small little country church. Um, Invited us in, and maybe twenty-five students from kindergarten to um, twelfth grade, young adults. So we were there for about two and a half years, and uh, we loved it. We had a great time with those guys. I think my first year, I was paid three hundred dollars a month, and which barely covered the gas. It was about forty-five minutes away, and then they bumped it up to like eight twenty-five the next year. So that's a huge increase. (laughs) And uh, so I was youth pastor there. Shane and James came along in two thousand six. and my time there at that Stokesdale Christian Church in Stokesdale, North Carolina, kind of showed me, hey, you need more training. I wanted to go back to Bible college. I was in Bible college when we got activated in uh, 2003, so I didn't get to finish. So in 2007, we moved back to California, and I went back to Bible college. I graduated. And then our church in Temecula, Rancho Baptist Church, they hired me as the children's pastor. And uh, that whole time, from 2007 to 2016, our church was growing like crazy. The Temecula area was growing like crazy. I think they had 10,000 homes in development at one time. 300 families a month moved there during that time, so our church was exploding and growing. It was great. 350 kids at VBS. I mean, it was it was awesome, and we were growing like crazy, getting ready to do expansion to the sanctuary and all that. Um, 2014, 2016, this was a big one for me. Our discipleship pastor, he was uh, kind of overwhelmed with how many people were there. Biblical counseling was starting to become a reality at our church, and he was kind of overwhelmed with how many people he was counseling, so he started training up people in church. And we had maybe 30, 40 people go through that first class, and it really changed my life. It really opened my eyes to a whole bunch of different things. It made me dig deeper into my own heart more than I ever have before, taking the plank out of your own eyes so you can see clearly, and it was huge. And then August... 2016, our senior pastor leaves due to a moral moral failure. We were two days away from signing like a $3 million loan to expand our sanctuary from 300 seats to 700 seats, and he called an emergency elder meeting on a Thursday, and then he confessed to the congregation on Sunday, and he was gone, and so that was a huge blow to all of us, and uh, our church got turned upside down, literally, and just all kinds of different things happened, and dealing with people and issues and comments and just for years and years. And then finally, we got an interim pastor came in for a little bit. And that kind of brought more confusion. It helped a little on some things, brought a lot of confusion in other places. And then 2018, about two, two and a half years later, a new senior pastor came. And this whole time, we, our church went from maybe 1,000 on the roll to about 400. And so uh, new new senior pastor came, things started looking up people started to come back to see the new guy hey you know but it's been two years it's we're a totally different church now than where we were in 2016 and so for whatever reason they didn't like the new guy and they started to leave again and they kept leaving they kept leaving and people would come back and people would leave and it was so confusing they'd come back two or three times give it another chance come back come back for special events leave again all that kind of stuff so um i stayed on with the new senior pastor for a year seeing how things would kind of shake out and then one time during children's church it kind of hit me when I'm doing children's church and there's usually, you know, 20, 30, 60 kids in there and now there's 3. And it'd been like that for a while and I thought, well, you know, they don't rate a full-time children's pastor here. You know, there's only 3 kids and I can do other things, other places and and I was questioning my calling, I needed a break. I mean, it was it it was a rough two and a half years to say the least. So in 2019 we moved back to North Carolina and I started flipping houses. I always watch those TV shows. You guys have seen HGTV, right? And I thought, I could do that, I could do that. And TV, they make it look so easy. And there's always drama on TV, and everybody always tell me, why don't you do your own show? I'm like, it would just be one guy by himself working on a house. There's, that's not gonna be a very good show. And there's no drama. So, um, started flipping houses, and that was good. And that was a really good, for the last four years, was a, a great time of testing. During one of our elder meetings, one of our lay elders, he made a joke, just, and this was years and years ago, and he said, hey, you staff guys, you guys get paid to be good, he's like, I'm good for nothing, and everybody laughed, you know, ha, 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 and then I thought to myself, is that true? I'm like, am I only good because it's a paid position, because I'm Pastor Nathan, I have to be good, so that always kind of stuck with me, even though it was a joke, I was internalizing that due to biblical counseling. And uh, so that always was on my mind. And the last four years have been just a great time of uh, resting and reading and renewing. And had some time off. And you get a lot of time in between houses when you're waiting for the next house. And, and we'd go on family trips. And it, it's been a great four years of, again, resting and reading a bunch of things. I didn't get a chance to read and renewing our thoughts and our minds and just hitting the reset button with family and, and all those different things. So it's been great. So in 2020, the COVID restrictions kind of lightened up in North Carolina and they did a call for volunteers for, for Iwana. And my wife and I, we've done Iwana for many, many years. And we said, hey, let's, let's do that. And she was ready, I was ready. So we started jumping to Iwana. And so for the last three years, I've been teaching large group for Sparks and TNT. Gina's been working with third grade and then they needed a temporary eighth grade um, leader for a little time. So that was, that's been two years. So that we've been doing eighth grade, which has been great, and, and then uh, some of the staff, I've been talking about biblical counseling so much, they said, hey, will you start training some of us? And so for the last year and a half or so, I've been meeting with some of the staff going over biblical counseling with them, and they're enjoying that, and so we've been serving a lot in our current church right now, so almost done, we're at 2020, see, that wasn't so bad. And then spring 2022, on my last flip, it was directly next door to our senior pastor in North Carolina right next door, like they shared a fence, and he would come over in the mornings, or he'd come over in the evenings, or both, to see what I was doing, and and we just talked all things ministry for three months, just father-son campouts, uh, missions, everything, VBS, staff, youth ministry, all these different things, and uh, over, and over, and over, and over, we would do that, and then, uh, And then he said something and it kind of stuck with me and even in between houses maybe for the last 15 months 16 months i would talk to gina hey think we should get back into ministry because we always knew we'd get back into ministry it's just who we are and uh, i'd be ready and she wouldn't be ready or she'd be ready and i wouldn't be ready and we would look here and there but just put it off and get another house and get distracted again and finishing our last flip and pastor michael said something he said hey it's a shame that that you're just in houses by yourself all day long, every day, just you know, listening to my headphones, listening to podcasts and different things and, and enjoying my time and, and just painting houses and whatever. And, uh, and that kind of pushed me over the edge to fill out my resume, finally do the work. And, and then I finished out 22 with some more side jobs, and then I'm like, no, it's time, it's time. So December 2022... Um, I must add one after I gave you the slide. So December 2022, I called you guys. I looked at my call log. How long do you think we talked for? 20 minutes, 20 minutes. 30 minutes. So I called here. This was the first church. We had seen it pop up over and over and over and over again on church staffing over the years. And, uh, and Camarillo, Gina got online, started looking at everything. Oh, they got this. Oh, they got that, and, and, and that. And we've always longed for California. I know that sounds weird to some people. But this is, this is our home, and, and we both grew up here and have some fond memories here. I know I'm going to get a lot of kickback this week. Are you sure you want to come back here? I think so, until I just watched the news the other day. So don't watch the news. And so I called you guys. I've had a nice talk with Matt. We talked for half an hour. And usually when I would call a church, I'm like, hey, I might be relocating to your area. Tell me about your church. And it would be a five, six-minute conversation. And we started talking. And he asked me what churches I've been to, and I told him about how our moral failure with our other pastor, and he's asking me all these questions. I'm like, this is great. So, and then I got on Redfin, and then I saw how uh, okay, it was there. Um, I saw how expensive your houses are, and I was like, sorry, Lord, I can't go back to California. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the desert somewhere, and uh, and so that kind of squashed that a little bit. I'm like, oh man, that's <laughs> that's brutal. So I sent my resume out to some other churches. We went and visited and candidated at a few other churches—one in Arizona, one in Georgia. Talked to some people in North Carolina, and the feel just wasn't right. And I was in my shop. I kind of gave up on the search, and then I was in my shop listening to YouTube, and I subscribed to your channel a while back. And a sermon from Matt came on, and I started listening to that, and I started thinking about that. I'm like, "What do you think about Camarillo, babe? Should we revisit that?" And she's like, "Well, she's like, I've always liked that." And so I started listening to that, and then I was at church going for a counseling appointment, and they canceled last second. I was in the conference room; and they canceled. I'm like, oh, I'm getting ready to." I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to see if that's if that's still there." Because sometimes I'd look, and you guys were off. Sometimes I'd look, and you were back on. I'm like, "Oh, they found somebody," and that's how I was thinking about it for the last 12 months or so. As so I got on there, I read through everything. I answered all your questions. You guys were the only church that asked questions, even in the um, resume stage. I sat down, just hammered them all out, sent it off, and that was a good Thursday, and uh, I'm like, that's it, I probably won't hear anything, and I heard pretty, pretty quickly, and then uh, had a lot of good Zoom calls with you guys, and, and here we are, so that's the whole process, and uh, if you have any other questions in there, uh, let me know, and it's been a wild ride, and you guys have been so good to us this week, overwhelmed with, with everything, you guys have been wonderful, great job. And uh, so thank you for bearing with me through that. I know it's a long list, kids. You did great. So I hope you guys get a better understanding of our heart. And uh, every, when I was making this list, I'd, I'd do a bullet point, and I would just sit there, pull open the file, and, and sit there for a couple of hours thinking about that, thinking about this, thinking about that, thinking about that. So I encourage you guys to make a list like this. So um, each one of these bullet points is a thousand stories behind it. So I'm so thankful to the Lord and for everything he's done. And looking back on this whole list, I see the Lord's hand in our life over and over and over again through the good times through the bad times and he stretched us way beyond what i ever thought possible so taking us through some pretty crazy situations and and all that so again i would encourage everybody to make a list like this go through early childhood chapter one and see how the lord has been super faithful so the idea of thankfulness came up matt said hey would you like to teach on sunday and my first thought was no Big church, no way, and uh, so I thought about it, and and I was like, okay, what are you going to teach on? I told them yes a couple days later. I knew I couldn't get out of it, the Lord had already been impressing on my heart that I was going to be stretched more and more and more, and so this idea of thankfulness came up. I've been thinking about it a lot for the last six months. I've been counseling different um, marriage counseling and some other things, and uh, thankfulness always comes up, and being thankful and learning to be thankful always comes up, so I want to just touch on that today a little bit, and uh, there's so many ways... Yeah, thankfulness is, is a key in our lives, so, and I've heard you guys being thankful, I've heard the word thankful a hundred times this week, so you guys have been great on that, so, um, when you think of the word faithful, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I put questions in there so I can take a drink of water. Um, it's in your bulletin right there if you guys want to pull out your little notes, and, uh, So some of the things that come to mind, you know, to give thanks, right? That's an easy one, maybe gratitude. Webster's Dictionary defines it as this, being mindful of a benefit received. Something good happens to you, you are thankful, right? Way too far. And uh, being mindful um, of a benefit received. When something good happens, we're thankful. Uh, Expression of thanks, saying thank you, right? This, uh, maybe two mornings ago, I was working on this. I've been getting up early, going down the lobby, working on this. This lady came out of the elevator like this. Coffee, 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 coffee. And I saw her make a left-hand turn, and the coffee was off to the right. And I'm like, I better stop this lady before she hurts somebody. And uh, it took me a while to find the coffee the first day, too, because it's off in this little side area. And I'm like, ma'am, the coffee's right over here. And she turned the corner, and then she just walked right to it and started making coffee. And I stood there for a couple seconds. I wanted to hear, thank you for saving my life, right? <laughs> and she didn't say anything. She just started making her coffee, and I kind of like, okay, you're going to be a sermon illustration. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, she has no idea. So, and number three, being well pleased, glad. You know, I'm thankful it didn't rain today. I mean, Southern Californians usually don't say that, but you guys got a lot of rain this year. So much rain that it's made the news in North Carolina of how much rain you have and your new lakes forming over here and, and all that. So so there's a range of thankfulness that I want us to be aware of. This is our main point today. It's in your, your four three two one right there. There's a range of thankfulness. And you'll find yourself somewhere on this range and we move all over this range. Some days we're a one, some days we're a four. But I wanna hopefully we, we'll stay at the ones here. So there's a range there. There's some kind of psychological term that there is for when you learn something or you know something, you become aware of it, and then you start to see it everywhere, right? It's like a new car. You get a new car, what happens? You see it everywhere, right? There's another one, a blue one, a black one. This whole week, my kids have been counting Teslas. In North Carolina, we've seen three Teslas where we live. And I think, Shane, what number are you on now? 54. So their eyes have been open to see Teslas. So 54. So there's another one, blue one, red one, yellow one. It's not Slugbug anymore. It's uh, something tesla so we have to make up a new game but that would too many teslas out here so my hope and prayer is when we're done today you'll be able to identify this you'll be mindful of it you'll see it everywhere you'll hear it everywhere it'll be part of your your life so and there's there's different levels so let's start with number four right what's the opposite of thankful i know you guys got a little sneak peek there a second ago Ungrateful. ungrateful right thankless ungrateful ingratitude Right, which leads to bitterness, and we don't want to be bitter. Every time I hear the word bitterness, the, the Hebrews twelve fifteen comes to mind all the time. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God; that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble, and by it many are defiled. You ever, have you ever been around a bitter person? Maybe you got an old uncle that just everything is wrong all the time, and then he starts talking, and then everybody else starts to jump on the bitter train, and then everybody's complaining about everything. It happens. And then 2 Timothy 3, um, 1 and 2 here. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Ungrateful is on that list. And the list goes on and on. And at the end of that list, I think it's in verse 5, it says, do not associate with people like this. So you're on the do not associate with if you are ungrateful. And then one of my favorites, Philippians 2:14 right here do all things without grumbling and complaining right we know that's that's the whole verse right there i would recommend you guys go back and look at these in their context and and look at this and so it reminded me of a story when i was doing research on this there was a grumpy old man and his wife wanted to please him she's like i'm going to make him the best breakfast he's ever had in his life and she asked him exactly what he wanted he's like i'm going to make you the best breakfast what do you want he's like Okay, I want two eggs, one scrambled, one over easy. I want two pieces of toast, one with butter and one with jelly. I want three pieces of bacon, two sausage patties, and fresh squeezed orange juice with extra pulp. Anybody extra pulp people? Yeah, I like the pulp. Some people like, they gag when they have pulp for some reason. And uh, so she makes it perfect, everything. One scrambled, one over easy, two pieces of toast, the bacon, everything. And he still has that ungrateful look on his face. And she said, "What's wrong? Didn't I make everything perfect? You know, say thank you. Maybe something." He's and he said, "You scrambled the wrong egg." <laughs> right? Some people, no matter what you do, there's no pleasing them. Everything is wrong. The glass is always half empty. Everything. Right? That's number four. That's thankless. That's ingratitude, ungrateful, which is on its way to bitterness and cutting off the grace of God, which is not where you want to be. Number three. Number three. Indifferent. Right. You don't really complain you don't really grumble right you don't say thanks you are just kind of right there in the middle you're just indifferent with everything and uh, everything is just okay right maybe this is how the conversation goes at your house hey how was dinner okay right how was school it was okay how was work it was okay how was church ah good (laughs) right hopefully we're not like this and you can see how sometimes we can be indifferent with things Usually when we're indifferent, we're on our way to number four, into being thankless and grumbling and complaining and all that. So we have to be careful of that, too. Indifference will set in, and you just kind of get blah, and, and, uh, and it's not good. So number two, number two, you're starting to be thankful for the good things, just like the Marion webster dictionary, Right? said uh, you're being mindful of a benefit received you see good things happening to you you're thankful right for when good things happen you, you express thanks saying thank you and your server brings you your food hey thank you very much And someone opens the door for you hey thank you And like I said I hear this this is just being polite and saying thank you and uh and then number three being well pleased um or glad right I'm glad it didn't rain today I'm, or I'm glad it did rain today so in every one of my counseling situations, no matter what the issue is or no what we're working through, whatever sin or lifestyle or whatever, I always ask people to make a thankful list. And I ask them to add to it daily. I ask them to review it. Anytime that, that temptation comes to sin or they're feeling discouraged or depressed, I ask them to get your, uh, your uh, thankful list out and start going over it. And I've seen all kinds of lists. I've been doing this for years. I've seen all kinds of lists. And sometimes it's short and sweet, right? I gave you guys a little head start right there. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And you get, you know, the big five, big six. Sometimes people are more detailed. I was talking to a 15-year-old once, and he was working through anxiety and all that. And I'm like, hey, make a thankful list. And I came and visited him a couple days later, and he had three pages of stuff. I mean, he named every kid by name. He was just going through all this stuff, and he goes over his list and reviews it, and it's been a great thing. So depending on how much work you want to put into this, it could be... Really, really good. So, I've seen all kinds of lists, and uh, a thankful list is like I said, it's good for all kinds of things. And being thankful is good for all kinds of things. It's kind of like the the, the lavender of essential oils. And uh, so, I put a list right there. You guys can get started on it. What's number one going to be on there for you guys? It's Mother's Day, right? So you better be thankful for moms, right? I wanted to implement a a Mother's Day once a month in our house where we treat Gina extra special. So remind me, and we'll, we'll get on that. So. Mom should get at least one day a month instead of just once a year. So and the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking of thankfulness is how Paul opens up all his letters. You guys notice that? He's always like, hey, grace and peace to you. And then what's usually the next verse? I'm praying for you, right? Romans 1, eight. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Well, that's awesome. First Corinthians 1.4. Uh, 4. I thank God always concerning you by the grace of God, which was given to you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.3, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. Uh, Colossians 1.3, we thank God, we give thanks to God, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. First Thessalonians 1.2, we give thanks to God for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Second Thessalonians 1.3, same thing. Second Timothy 1.3, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in all of my prayers, day and night. Philemon four. I thank God always making mention of you in our prayers. Could you imagine the early church getting a letter from Paul? And like, hey, Paul sent us some scroll. Send out an email. We're going to get all the church together, and we're going to read it. And then they read that part right there in the first couple of verses that Paul was praying for them. You think that made him feel special? The guy who started their church, and he's been going all around. He says, hey, every time I think of you guys, I thank God for you. And uh, I hope. how would that make you feel if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, this morning during my prayer time, I was thinking about you and I was praying for you. Wouldn't that make you feel great? Yeah. So hopefully, we're in that mindset of always thanking God for those around us and different things. So I hope this becomes a practice in all believers' lives. So, what do you think number one is? Okay. Um, number one is um, giving thanks. For all things, the good and the bad, right? Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of, the, uh, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always and for everything, the good and the bad. We know those verses have counted all joy. We know that he's doing all these things to make us more and more Christ-like. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18. through 18, um, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in some things, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One of the questions that the search committee asked me was, how do you know God's will for your life? And I used this verse. This is God's will for your life, that you give thanks, that you pray without ceasing, and you rejoice always, right? And when we really start to give thanks for the bad times, you're taking huge steps in Christian maturity, when you can thank God for the bad times, right? And so that's a huge step in the right direction. When Paul writes to Timothy and tells him, hey, to discipline himself towards godliness, you know that verse, and I think training our minds to give thanks in the good things and especially the bad things is one of those spiritual exercises we need to do to grow spiritual muscles. And when we're doing that, when we're thanking God for the good and the bad, it puts us on the road to contentment and contentment godliness with contentment is great gain right and that's where we need to be and you see this over and over as i thought thankfulness would be a small subject and i started seeing the hundreds of verses we haven't even touched psalms we haven't touched any of those there's tons and tons of stuff out there so rejoicing and giving thanks go hand in hand and paul's letters even written from prison he says rejoice again i say rejoice you know he was rejoicing while he was in prison if i was in prison i'd be like sell my truck get a better lawyer and uh, get me out of here right And we have the story of Peter and John in the temple as soon as the church started, Acts chapter 5. And they went on their way from the presence of the council after getting a whooping and rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer the shame for his name. And this is the goal, that we can rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. So another one of the verses that's been coming up day after day after day, especially around here, has been Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you uh, because of me what's the next one rejoice and be glad right thankfulness right there in that glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you so when you're giving thanks and you're rejoicing even when the world is against you, you that's what the prophets did that's what the, the apostles did that's you're, you're being like them and so my prayer is that we would all be mindful of these different stages here and that uh, we would always continually be moving in the direction of number one. So, and that we're quick to give thanks. Especially when we see ourselves drifting to three and four and getting indifferent and getting a little discouraged. Get your thankful list out and do that. So, there's one thing real quick I want to go over with you guys. I learned biblical counseling that has been huge for me, the counselees. I've taught this to 8th graders. I've taught this to 3rd, 4th, and 5th graders. Maybe you guys have already seen it before, but it's called the four R's of biblical change. So, number one, I cheated again. Sneak peek right there, right? So, real quick, and there's nothing magical about these. It's just a good little list to kind of go through. I like lists. Paul likes lists. How many of you guys are list people? Yes, especially now with phones. I have so many lists. I have lists to keep track of my lists. So, number one, when you hear a sermon or you're, you're reading something in your Bible, you hear something good on the radio, and you're like, yeah, I need to start doing that. Maybe I have been a little grumpy. Maybe I have been complaining too much. Maybe I have been a little too indifferent, right? You realize that something's wrong, that there's sin there, right? You realize. So when we realize that we're sinning, what's the next step? Repent, right? And this is where I would say most of the church kind of camps out. They realize, repent, realize, repent, realize, repent, realize, repent. And they keep going over the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, right? No matter what it is, you can use this with any particular issue, sin you're working on. So, In order to really make it stick and have heart transformation and not just behavior modification, we need to reject, renounce, right? The Bible calls this put off, put on. Even as Matt was reading through Colossians chapter 3, you'll see those put off, put ons all throughout scripture. Um, Paul never says, hey, just stop doing that. He always says, hey, stop doing this, start doing that, right? That replacement. So we have to reject it. This is where you get people involved. This is where like, hey, husband, wife, if you hear me complaining, I want you to stop me. Right? If you catch me being indifferent, I want you to stop me and, and remind me to be thankful in all things. So, Which brings us to the last one. This is, this, is, this is the hardest one, renewing. Right, This is the whole put off, put on. This is where the holy sweat comes in. And this is where pulling out your flashcards, this is where you know changing the way you think, that's what repentance is, changing your direction and the way you think. And this is where it really comes in, renew. So instead of doing this, and again, you'll see this with Paul, um, Ephesians chapter 4, he says, hey, he doesn't say just stop lying he says stop lying and tell the truth he says hey stop stealing he says stop stealing get a job so you have some extra to give to somebody else he says hey put off this and put on that we'll see that over and over again again i'm glad you picked colossians chapter 3 one of my favorite chapters and so um this list has been super helpful to me and i hope it's helpful to you guys fill those things in real quick and like i said you can go over this with any sin anytime you realize something and you need to repent and they're like, okay, so I need to stop doing that, and I start doing this. And you'll see this list, these lists over and over and over throughout the New Testament. So, so it's been super helpful to me. Congratulations on your first counseling appointment. And uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for, for moms. Lord, I thank you for my mom and the encouraging text she sent me this morning. And just, uh, I know she's praying for me. And, and again, Lord, just thank you so much for this church that's opened their doors and their hearts to us. And uh, again, Lord, we do want to be a people that are thankful, Lord, in the hard times and the good times. And I do pray, Lord, that you would encourage everybody to, to write these things out and to make their own thankful list and just uh, to reflect on how good you are to us, Lord, and how faithful you've been over and over and over, Lord. And uh, we look forward to your faithfulness in the future. Lord, help us to walk in a way that's uh, worthy of the calling with which you've called us. Lord, help us to, again, to search our hearts, Lord, to, to see those areas that are not pleasing to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would realize that, Lord, that we would repent of it, that we would reject those things and renew our thoughts and our minds in you. And again, Lord, we thank you for your word that gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Jesus' name, amen.